There is such a thing called conscious consciousness. In terms of consciousness. In terms of consciousness. What consciousness is. Susanna Martinez-Conde and Stephen Macknick are neuroscientists. I met them in Susanna's office at the State University of New York Downstate Medical Center. Stephen works there, too, and they had me watch a video of a magic trick. Okay, ready? Uh-huh. Goes very fast. On screen is the magician Apollo Robbins. He's this serious-looking blonde guy in a black button-up shirt and unbuttoned a few extra buttons. He wears a small gold hoop on his left ear, and in his left hand, he's flipping around a dollar coin. His eyes just stay focused on the coin. He takes his right hand, grabs the coin, then arcs the hand away. He opens it, and the palm is empty. He smirks at the camera. The coin has disappeared. How do you do that, right? Yeah, but where did the coin go? We watch again. The coin is in his left hand, then his right hand comes and grabs it, and then he turns his palm open, and it's empty. Coins disappeared. Stephen and Susanna asked that I put a spoiler alert at this point. We're going to be revealing magic secrets. Because we watched this video a number of times, and it becomes pretty obvious the coin just never left the original spot in his left hand. But the first time or two you watch it, you get this little flutter in your stomach. You're watching the coin, it's in his left hand, he grabs it with his right hand, and then it's not where it seemed to be. Stephen and Susanna study the visual system. They see themselves as scientists of attention and awareness. And back in 2005, they were preparing for a conference in Las Vegas when they had a realization. As we were going up and down the strip, the, the signs of magicians in their shows kind of finally got through to us. And we realized that magicians were the, the artists of attention and awareness. Magicians are constantly trying out different ways to direct or misdirect our attention. Scientists had already been studying visual illusions, but studying magic tricks was pretty new. And Stephen and Susanna soon realized that magicians had found ways of hacking the attention system that scientists hadn't even thought of. I guess you could say that in a sense, magicians are amateur psychologists. They're very good observers of human behavior. A magic performance is an experiment in which the magician sees what works and what doesn't. If Stephen and Susanna could figure out why these different methods worked, it could tell them something new about how we take in the world. One of the magicians they talked to was Apollo Robbins. He's the guy doing the coin trick in that video. He goes on TV a bunch as the gentleman thief. Apollo had noticed something about the coin trick. It seemed to work better if, after he clasped his right hand over the coin, he pulled it back with an arching motion before he opened it up and said, hey, no coin. When he pulled his right hand back in a straight line, people were more likely to catch on that the coin had actually never left his left hand. He had the intuition that moving his hands in a curved way versus a straight way would make a difference in how people looked at things. To test this, Stephen and Susanna had research subjects watch videos of both versions of the trick, the straight grab and the curved grab. And they use a machine that tracks where people are looking. It tracks their eye movements. Susanna showed me videos of the two versions of the trick, superimposed with the records of subjects' eye positions. Let me show you what happens first with the straight motion. Each circle is an eye position for a different subject. And see how they're shifting between the two hands. When Apollo seems to grab the coin with his right hand and pull it back in a straight line, the research subject's eyes go back and forth from hand to hand. 
they're looking back at the original hand, like they're thinking, hey, it could still be there. But look at what happens when he does the curved motion instead. People follow the hand with their eye movements, and they stay in the hand. They look at the face a little bit, but they stay on the hand. They don't go back. The subjects keep their focus on the hand where Apollo wants them to think the coin is, the right hand. And you can actually notice these different types of movements by moving your own hand in front of you. If you move your own hand straight from one side of your visual frame to the other, you don't see a continuous picture. Your brain fills things in, so it seems mostly continuous, but you can sense your eyes are making little jumps. You think you could move your eyes smoothly between these, but you can't. You can only make jumps. These jumps are called saccades, which is French for jump. Your eyes already know how a straight path is going to go. They can predict it. They don't need to follow the whole thing. But if you move your hand in an arch pattern from one side to the other in front of you, your eyes stay steady on your hand. It's called pursuit eye movements. Apollo had previously hypothesized that when he did curved motion versus straight motion during his performances, that people follow with their gaze the curve motion and, did, and they didn't go back to the original place where the motion started, but that when he used a straight motion instead, people go, would go back and forth between the beginning and the end of the path. Susanna and Steven's experiment confirmed that, and they were able to figure out why, the different types of eye movements. By co-opting your pursuit eye movements, Apollo's able to get your visual system to focus just on the movement of his right arm. He gets your visual system to be an accomplice in maintaining the illusion that his right arms grabbed the coin. When people find out magic tricks, they're almost always disappointed that it's so mundane. But that's the way almost all magic tricks work. And the artistry of magic is really about learning to do that in such a way that you're not giving it away, obviously, which is why Susanna and I don't perform anymore, because it takes a lot of time and effort to make sure that you're, you're good at it. Wait, you two used to perform? Well, to, to, in order to create magic experiments in the laboratory, uh, or to any experiment in the laboratory, you need to understand your stimulus, right? So as perceptual scientists, we have to understand what it is we're doing to people in order to measure what's happening in their brain with that. So yes, we had to learn how magic worked, and no better way to do it than to become a magician. The couple trained for a year and a half with one goal in mind, acceptance into the Academy of Magical Arts in California. They found a magician willing to tutor them on nights and weekends. Whenever we had a little time, uh, we would get uh, weekly magic lessons and then we would practice when we could. And then it was time to prove themselves before the Academy at the Magic Castle Clubhouse in Hollywood. We were about five to seven minutes into our show when... One of them said, okay, I've seen enough. And everybody was like, yeah, 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 we've seen enough. And they basically made a stop. You know, they made it clear that we were supposed to pack up our stuff and get out now. And we were like, oh, my God. We couldn't believe how awful this was. We were so embarrassed packing the stuff up and getting out. It was just mortifying. After a year and a half of practicing thousands of dollars in equipment and training, they gathered up their gear and headed to the bar. So we're there for about an hour when the, the head of the committee comes out and starts telling us the rules of the Magic Castle. And we're like, well, well, we didn't get in. And he's like, no, 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 you did. You showed proficiency. We just had so many people that we, we stopped the show when people show enough proficiency that we don't need to see anymore. You were accepted. And I was like, oh, well, you could have told us that. We've been crying into our champagne here for an hour. But anyway, we, we, we did get in. And, and that was the... Uh, so that was our first and last performance. We're officially retired magicians now. They bruised you bad enough with that first rejection. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had enough. Fortunately, they've continued to study magicians. Magicians 
can make you look at something and nevertheless not see it because you're not paying attention. So even if you do have information entering your retinas, it doesn't mean that information is going to be conscious or remembered if the magician is getting you to split your attention in multiple locations because we can't multitask. Why do our brains let us get tricked like this? Our brains are... First off, limited. We have brains of a certain size that have a certain number of neurons and brain areas. And so you do not have the neural resources to perceive reality as it is. But the fact is that you wouldn't want to perceive reality as it is either. We have developed these uh, shortcuts and these neural strategies through evolution so that we can be faster and we can be Uh, more efficient, more focused as we interact with the world and navigate the world. Do you think that magicians would have a job if our visual system was better at tracking reality? I guess if our brains, not just the visual system, if our brains were better at checking reality, magicians might not have a job but then we wouldn't have art or culture or perhaps civilization even. Why? Well, we wouldn't be where we are as human beings without attention. We may think that our attention is limited because we can only focus on one thing and at the expense of ignoring or suppressing everything else. But the fact is that that capacity is again, much more than a loss because we wouldn't have been able to come up with music or culture or technology if people hadn't been able to focus on very narrow areas of interest for long periods of time. I asked Susanna and Stephen if they ever try to revive their magic career at home with their small kids. Sometimes, Susanna said, a few simple tricks. But it's actually surprisingly difficult to trick an undeveloped attention system. Little kids just don't fall for the same stuff grown-ups do. For Explain the Brain, I'm Audrey Quinn. You can subscribe to Explain the Brain on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any podcast app. This last month, our top listener city was San Francisco, so hello Bay Area. To learn more about the Mind Science Foundation, the folks behind this podcast, you can go to mindscience.org. 